Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. All right, everyone, welcome on to a fun episode here. We got some coaching hires that we have to talk about. Getting John's front office input on those is always of interest to me. And then we want to talk about who is going to get traded this offseason. Who are the most likely candidates? That I'm sure will be a long segment. And if we got time, we also want to talk about who is not going to make the playoffs next year and go back and take a look at our game that we played throughout the 2020 season which uh was a little bit messed up given some of the events but uh we ended up actually doing okay uh to look at our predictions of who wouldn't make the playoffs ruling a team out every week in 2020 so let us begin here john with big news stan van gundy to new orleans he was offered the job over the weekend apparently they had to sweeten it for him a little bit he's not someone who probably is going to come cheap given what he was making on his last deal about seven million dollars but that was to be the president Mm -hmm. of basketball Mm -hmm. operations and the coach so what do you make of a more veteran established coach sorry about that being brought Ah. in (laughs) johnny are you there (laughs) well these tech uh difficulties are part of the game here all right sorry about that all right you you good i was i was asking what you think of i'm I'm back all right i was asking what you think of uh van gundy getting hired yeah so here's why i think it's an interesting hire um Because to me, New Orleans, they tried to be good last year. And I think the right move in their position right now in the Western Conference is to take a step back, look at things like trading Drew Holiday and J.J. Redick, uh, and really building the team around Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and the other young players they have there. And to me, this hire is indicative that they're not going to do that. Um, I I don't think you hire Stan Van Gundy. He's a really good coach, first of all. I'm not sure a rebuild is the situation where you're really going to hire him and pay that top dollar to bring him in. It's more indicative to me that they're going to try and win again this year with Holiday, with Redick. Van Gundy was actually Redick's first NBA coach, um, and he's always been very big on shooting-oriented lineups, spacing the floor. You know, his Orlando team that made the finals is really ahead of the curve in terms of playing four out around Dwight Howard and really using the three-point shot as a weapon and running spread pick and roll with uh, Hato Turkoglu actually uh, kind of being the engineer. And and so if you're going in that direction, uh, then like I, I get it if you've already decided that you're trying to win, you're trying to make the playoffs. I just think that's going to be really hard in the West this year to pull that off. And the risk is that you end up high and dry if Holiday and Redick leave after the season. Yeah, and it does augur, uh, Brian Windhorst was talking on his podcast today that he doesn't believe that J.J. Redick is going to be moved for that reason, that he's going to kind of be the good vet. And they don't necessarily have one of those, and Redick is still a good player. 
player. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I, and I think it's the idea of holiday. It's not even so much about this year. It's just that either of the two options are bad in the summer of 2021 with Drew Holiday. To me, we'll talk more about this when we talk about the guys who might get traded. Apparently, yep. ten teams have asked about him, uh, according to Vincent Goodwill uh, of Yahoo Sports. But either you pay him a massive amount for a team that again maybe still is not ready to win now and uh you know we'll see where he's at at age 31 as a player but you know you're thinking three or four years and probably 25 million a year or you lose him for nothing right i don't think either of those is a great way to look at it and so you have to kind of look at drew holiday right now as we've got him on our team but if we don't trade him we've got him on our team on a contract that's a hundred million dollars guaranteed after this summer i think and so i I mean we're probably getting ahead of ourselves here but yeah it it is interesting like you think there's just no way now because they did this that they would go with more of the retooling aspect i suppose it's still possible and especially i mean the thing that the thing that could make it more possible is if drew holiday pushes it right yeah i mean we've seen this with other players right and i think he's a significant enough player in the last year of his deal that he could probably push his way out if he really wanted to and especially if there were you know if he really wanted to get to denver and play meaningful playoff games again uh, or go somewhere else i mean denver i think is is the trade that all of us uh you know trade machine players whatever uh kind of look at and, and say that's one that could work uh to me that's the real wild card what does what drew holiday want out of all of this yeah that's an interesting thought and i mean they also have the possibility of an extension right like we've kind of gotten used to extensions not being as big of a deal under the last cba where they were so difficult but now they certainly could afford to give him an extension in theory and if he doesn't want to extend at a number that you're interested in then i think you really have to seriously consider moving him again because you know what are you getting at this point this year like are you really you know i mean maybe like what do you see as their upside if like everything goes perfectly for them i don't know they win 46 games and lose in the first round yeah i might see like if everything goes right i might see if if zion is awesome and you know i might see their upside as a little higher than that i mean i don't see them getting out of the first round uh but you know maybe they could be the sixth seed or the fifth seed or something i mean there are some really good teams out there most but maybe you know if zion gets back to being the player that he was before the shutdown and uh, i mean they also have questions at center i mean that's one of the big concerns to me but if sam van gundy can get their defense to take another level up and they have to re-sign Derek favors or probably get a decent center to make that happen uh but i think there are some moves they could make this year that might make them more competitive and van gundy talked a lot about their transition defense being terrible that's kind of low-hanging fruit for a coach as well so you know this team like it wouldn't be impossible for me to see them as a top 10 offense and defense but i don't think that's likely for a team that hasn't proven it can play at that level yet yeah i mean i i think i think van gundy can probably kind of lasso this defense and yank it toward average but to to get it above average i think man you're 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 really asking a lot uh, out of some players who didn't show much defensively a year ago other than holiday yeah and van gundy has a good defensive track record but yeah i mean when they didn't have Derek favors on the floor who's no lock to return there obviously and his offensive fit with zion is not amazing uh it, when, when they didn't have Derek favors on the floor they were atrocious on defense last year yeah and the, and the other scenario is favors could also come back and only play 23 games right like that, that's the other uh risk factor there too yeah so i i guess the, the thing about van gundy is the only my biggest reason for not liking it is this concern 
concern we talked about that they're going to like continue going all in and frankly that uh, or not all in at least to uh continue to try and compete this year and that may be an ownership thing that may not even be a david griffin thing frankly uh you know we, we yeah we don't we don't know exactly what his mandate is there in new orleans um because i mean even even last year it seemed a little odd that they pushed so hard to make it in when they had you know you have the number one overall pick on his in his rookie year like you don't you don't have to go all all in for that season and they still you know they signed reddick um made a couple other moves that were maybe a little more win nowy than than we would have expected uh so yeah maybe they feel like hey you know what we've got plenty of draft pick equity going forward here with the lakers trade we've got lonzo and ingram and josh hart those are young guys and we got zion we got enough young guys we don't need to just like be bad and get more draft picks like why not just go for it but still you know, they are going to need cheap contributors still going forward those draft picks can later be used to trade for players who will help you when brandon ingram and zion are actually ready to win uh so i mean i, I don't think they would be terrible if they moved on from holiday and reddick like they could get a decent center and also i mean the, the other thing i'd like to see is just you know they got guys in this team who need to play who are young guys in the backcourt in particular yeah I, they they got to get Nikhil Alexander Walker in, involved in the rotation on a regular basis. Uh, Jackson Hayes, they gotta they gotta figure out a plan there. I think it, you know I, I almost wonder if they're better off sending him to the G League for thirty games and letting him play thirty minutes a game and then bringing bringing him back up to the varsity in the second half of the season, uh, d- depending on where he's at when they get to training camp. Uh, j- just because I mean he needs the reps so bad and it's just hard to do it when you know it's six minutes here, eight minutes there, and then you have to pull him out because he's getting schooled so uh, I, I think that's a really interesting situation there. I mean, some of those, some of their other young guys are already playing, so that's fine. But that they, they definitely still need to bring along the two firsts from last year and and uh, you know whoever they draft this year as well. Well, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, in Jackson Hayes' mind, he was awesome last year. He it was a crime that he didn't make the rookie sophomore snub, game. Snub from the rookie sophomore well, game he, by his own teammate. <laughs> and uh, well, well, he put it slightly more colorfully than that, as I recall. Yes. Yes. Uh, quick, quick aside here, since we we got plenty of time does like if you were uh, put your player evaluation hat on for a second you see a young player a rookie player do that i mean for uh those who forget he basically in an instagram story told the nba uh a colorful thing uh, that they could do to his genitalia for not putting him in the rookie sophomore game uh but like does that really affect your evaluation of a player at all something like that in his rookie year not really i mean i think it's just you know especially in his case where he's what 19 like you sort of give him a mulligan on that a little bit uh i mean obviously you, you hope they're mature enough to not do that but at the same time it's a teacher moment too right like this is this is how in the public you actually are this is why you can't do this and also you kind of put your arm around the kid and say you know what actually nobody really cares about the rookie sophomore game anyway so (laughs) don't really don't sleep over this uh did you ever say that to a player like and nobody cares about these awards anyway don't worry about it is i feel like that wouldn't be taken that well but no no i mean they they definitely do care about the awards and making the all-star game and all that so i would never say something like that that flippantly except maybe if it was the rookie sophomore game that might be the one exception uh where 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 i might actually be like look like nobody cares about this nobody's gonna remember a year from now like you shouldn't worry about this at all i mean i'd love to 
see a player someday this will never happen obviously to just be like i'm way better than that guy who got in this is ridiculous yeah they never mentioned this specific player right i, I mean if you're so it, but it's funny because it's like they have enough decorum to know that you're not supposed to do that but they don't have enough decorum to say <laughs> to, to not like tell the league what they can go do like yeah uh I, anything else you want to talk about with the the van gundy hire i don't think so i mean uh, you know the big loss is for television viewers i think he was awesome on tnt and uh, we're gonna lose that so oh. unfortunate well hey uh the uh nba casts live here on twitch uh <laughs> at nate duncan nba uh provides alternate commentary so it's, it's good good for my business at least right <laughs> there you go uh, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I guess the only thing that i would add is that we didn't really know who else was in the mix there that much and you just don't know enough about these assistants to really have a great idea of the what the road that wasn't traveled would have resulted in yeah 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 i mean we know we know they talked to teron lu right uh i think they talked to one or two other people who are fairly prominent um but this was definitely the safest hire i don't think there's any question about that yeah and he'll be better he'll be better than than gentry i think and and i think too um I think after the Detroit experience, like Stan's okay with letting Griffin go out and get the players. Um, So I I think there's some of that too, that he, you know, that even, even though he's a veteran coach, I think he'll probably be pretty decent to work with. So uh, this is an observation I made on Dunk Down Prime yesterday, but for those who who, uh, are hearing it for the first time in the public podcast, it seems like, and who knows this will ever happen again, but getting one of these president of basketball operations slash coaching jobs is great for a coach not only because they get more power and more money but also because when you inevitably fail you can still get another coaching job because you just claim that you fucked up all getting all the players <laughs> well let's see i mean doc rivers thibs and van gundy have all been rehired exactly right? right and and i was thinking that beforehand and then i saw woge's tweet which you know a lot of times obviously that comes from either the agents or the teams or or whatever about like oh yeah you know his record in Detroit getting personnel like that wasn't part of the evaluation at all right so clearly that's something that did kind of come up and I think might have been part of the thinking so uh mm-hmm. yeah go go grab that position if you can coaches not that I don't think any team is going to be dumb enough to do it for a while given how badly it's failed of late yeah exactly I mean there's I mean Popovich is the only one right I mean I'm trying to think you know maybe if like Nick Nurse ever got another job or Brad Stevens like it would just have to be because the way that it usually ends up Spolster in Miami would be the other one where it could happen yeah the way it usually ends up happening is just like this guy is such a good coach that we could never get him unless we also give him uh president of basketball operations powers like that's usually the thing I don't even know that they're just like oh yeah this guy has like unbelievable personnel skills it's just like we want this guy as a coach so we're gonna give him yeah um I mean and like Tibbs and and Van Gundy they certainly had staffs underneath them they tried to build out a staff that was going to handle the quote-unquote day-to-day i don't know that doc rivers did as good of a job of that although he eventually ended up hiring his replacement lawrence frank in in the end perhaps unwittingly Mm -hmm. uh but you know he had a couple of years where they just weren't really uh you know he didn't really have as much of a staff underneath him so they tried to do it and but still the the moves that were made had all of the usual hallmarks of the coach
switch GM to a- yeah yeah I mean I would I would say Detroit tried a little more sincerely than Minnesota but yeah I, I agree with your general yeah. take like there. they were doing some stuff there where they're like okay we're gonna have people actually like live track and log every NBA game and stuff like oh that. they were they were trying to have their scouts watch every single NBA game yeah until uh until I think uh they, they I, I think they ended up losing that battle to math uh basically that they're just <laughs> there just wasn't enough time in the day or enough scouts or whatever to realistically pull this off um let's take a few comments here on uh, this pels uh, van gundy um i don't understand that the government never lies thank you for subscribing by the way uh i don't understand why the pelicans would keep drew at this point i mean what is the argument for keeping him like let's like if if you want to say you know these guys aren't idiots right like they, david griffin is a smart mm-hmm. guy what is the argument for keeping him so i can make two arguments one that if you think you could get just as much or more for him at the trade deadline you bank a bunch of wins first and then do something uh two that you have some knowledge that we don't that maybe he's more amenable to an extension than you might think um and that it's a it's at a number that you think is okay which i think frankly is unlikely given where he is on the age trajectory and the fact that he's like like he's a really good player right now but he's not quite a super duper star and i you, you could just see how the trajectory getting into his 30s might not be great yeah so uh, to, to me, the best reason to not do something right now would just be that you think you might have more leverage later. Yeah, and also maybe it's just part of the reason this isn't a great reason, but maybe you just need to show to the owner that, hey, you know what, like it's not working. Maybe the th- because you can always try and yeah, extend him. Yeah, yeah, you almost need need to prove that you're not good enough before you can before you can move on. Yeah, I I actually uh, <laughs> should have been a little more attuned to that based on certain historical things yeah yeah so uh i think that's uh that's something there and then maybe also if things go well you think we can convince him to extend and then if he doesn't extend we can always move him at the deadline as well uh so and we need him as an he's a great vet like great teammate you know we need him to continue to be a good influence on the yeah these young guys so all right uh defiant data asks how valuable is holiday he seems over Rated by NBA insiders. Uh, uh, D- Defiant data. Do we count as NBA insiders? John, John is an NBA insider. I don't know if I am, but uh, I, well, am I, am I a current insider or a former insider? <laughs> anyway, well, um, you like talk to people. The, yeah, the um, holiday is weird because I think he's simultaneously overrated and underrated at the same time. Like I think people completely forget about him, but then when they talk about him, his on-ball defense is so good that they kind of forget that he kind of isn't always as great off the ball, especially this last year in new orleans and at the same time i mean they put a lot of responsibility on him offensively i think he's uh kind of a second option at best uh you're probably happier if he's your plan c which now in new orleans he might be in this coming year if it's if it's ingram and zion and then holiday i think especially at the end of games they tended to resort to him just dribbling around in circles and it didn't really work uh but as ingram ascended last year and it got to be more ingram's offense late in games i thought it worked a lot better He's not like an amazing outside shooter. He's not a super high level passer, but he's a good functional shot creator who, you know, he like he can he can do stuff offensively. But I think that the the big part of his value is just that he's an amazing defensive player who also doesn't take things away from you on offense. 
Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Seth Partnow, uh, or actually I think it was uh, Crumple Jumper, I think it's Todd Whitehead who, who noted this on Twitter, that he is one of the few players who has over a 20% usage and also spends the majority of his time guarding players who have over 20% usage, that he really is a true two-way guy. And I think, yes, he would be better yeah. in a uh, a smaller role. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. I read this a couple of months ago, and it was something that really struck me. Much as our elders might talk about our generation as not being all that intellectual, we actually communicate in writing far more than any other generations have, whether it's text messages, emails, social media. Sounding good in writing has never been more important than it is right now. And that's where Grammarly Premium can help you out. They give you real-time feedback and insights to help you elevate your writing through tone, word choice, clarity, and more. There's a lot more to clear, effective communication than just catching spelling mistakes. And Grammarly can even make you a better writer. They give you suggestions on clarity that can make your sentences concise, crisp, cut out unnecessary words. They'll give you suggestions on vocabulary. There are a lot of overused words out there that you might not even realize. It helps you keep readers engaged by not overusing the same words. You could also just expand your vocabulary as well. So level up your writing for work, school, or your personal projects with Grammarly Premium. Don't just say it, make a statement with clear, flawless text that's sure to impress. It doesn't just correct your mistakes. Grammarly helps you build up your skills as a writer. Elevate your writing with 20% off Grammarly Premium by signing up at Grammarly.com slash PER. This is remember slash PER because John invented it. That's 20% off Grammarly Premium. G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y. Grammarly.com slash PR. Don't forget that slash PR to let them know that you came from us. Let's talk about the other coaching hire here, and that's uh, Nate Bjorkren in Indiana. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I think you knew that Indiana was likely to go the career assistant route, uh, given both uh, the financial situation and where they are as a team. Um I think it's a pretty good hire. Like I, I've heard good things about Bjorkren through his time in the D League, in the G League. Uh, the the probably the the three assistant coaches that all had G League experience that you always heard about the most were Nick Nurse, Chris Finch, and Bjorkren. And uh, Finch was the lead assistant in New Orleans this last year. Um, and I guess Indiana talked to him too. And I guess they like Bjorkren a little better. Um, but I, I think that's probably going to turn out to be a pretty good hire there. Uh, you just have to see. You never really know until these guys move into that seat. But his track record in the G League was pretty good. Like, he has head coach 
coaching reps, which is the biggest thing you worry about when these guys move up from an assistant to head coach. Uh, it was one of the things we talked about internally when we hired Dave Yeager was that, okay, he hadn't been a head coach in the NBA before, but he had had reps as a head coach with, in pro basketball in the CBA and the, and the D-League. And I think that really helped him uh, go zero to 50 a lot faster. So you mentioned you just like had some conversations with people, you know, that he was a, a name among the assistants who had been in the G League that came up. Mm-hmm. Like, so you asked someone about about a coach. You know, I'm sure you did this plenty when you're with the Grizzlies as well. What kind of questions are you asking? What are people saying? Where you know you're you're because it seems like those conversations can easily devolve into platitudes. Like, how much info can you actually get from a conversation like that? Well, you're trying to get specifics on on strengths and weaknesses in terms of how how good is this guy in, in individual categories okay how good is he as a motivator how organized is he how much of a pain in the ass is he going to be you know when the games aren't going on is he going to fight with his front office is he going to start stupid stuff with his players or you know is he, is he or is he going to kind of stay on the straight and narrow uh what what are his x's and o's like is he good out of timeouts is he good with strategy uh is he good with uh game plans and and uh, uh especially on the defensive end and you, from that you sort of build a picture of whether this guy can can do it or not or has a decent chance of doing it so i mean if you start out as just as i think fans especially have this idea that there are two boxes and they're good coaches in one of them and bad coaches in the other one and that's not what it's like i mean it's a it's kind of very discrete strengths and weaknesses in really about 10 to 15 different categories and nobody not even you know popovich uh is aces in all 15 of them so you're, you're really trying to pile up kind of their strengths against their weaknesses or their the places where they're maybe not so good and figure out how it's going to turn out in your program yeah so that's uh that's really interesting um you know mike d'antoni had been talked about in indiana as yeah, well that that had been that had been that had been an interesting rumor that was out there for a while and it's in more interesting now because it looks like he's not going to end up anywhere probably i mean i can't see him going to okc uh so uh that i i do wonder if that was kind of a, a leverage leak on his part or if that was if that was something that was actually serious in Indiana just decided they'd go a little different direction um I mean you know where he'd be a great fit right now the Houston Rockets <laughs> <laughs> That job is also open. Yes, yes. Well, I, I was saying this uh, the other day that, I mean, he got offered that piddling $2.5 million guaranteed, but in the end, uh, other than just for pride and personal satisfaction reasons and having to work for Tillman Fertitta without Daryl Morey there, but, uh, I mean, from a monetary standpoint, he probably should have, in the end, have taken that, although I'm, I, I think he really felt like he had a good chance in Philly, and then the Doc Rivers thing ended up with him getting outmaneuvered there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that, that was probably the wild card that, that that did it to him. Although you could say if the doc thing didn't happen, would he have gotten it over Ty Lu? Not sure. Well, but yeah, I guess that, I guess that's true, right? Like uh, Lou Lou would have not been staying in in L.A. if Doc Rivers was still there. That, that probably makes sense. Um, yeah, that's that's interesting. So Bjorkren, I, I think the idea there, a lot of it has been, well, he's kind of the anti McMillan. They have now uh, zagged from McMillan zig. They're gonna do more analytically. They're gonna change things up 
Jay Michael talked about a game where the Pacers blew a 10 point lead in the last two minutes because the Raptors went to a press which the Pacers would never have done and Bjorkren is also supposed to be a better communicator than McMillan I mean certainly anybody who comes from Nick Nurse's staff and is highly recommended I mean on paper you never know how it turns out right like Igor Kokoshkov was great on paper too but certainly in terms of just what he is supposed to be it seems like he's checking all the boxes yeah and we we just have to see how it works in Indiana I mean he definitely has some tricky situations with uh with with that Sabonis Turner partnership with if Oladipo's still there and still thinks he's the man that's going to be tricky so he's he's definitely inheriting some stuff there that he's going to have to manage so his his reputation with working with players is pretty good so this will be his first test is there anything about their roster that you think or or the way that they play that kind of screams out for being able to be improved by him uh i think they can do more with their shot mix to get more threes and fewer long twos and i you still wonder if they can do more to make that sabonis turner partnership work better because if they can't they have to trade one of them and i like i think tj warren's best position is the four uh so that that's a really hard internal conversation that the pacers have but i think they probably got to look at this and give it half a year right and then they they might have to do something there at the trade deadline you know it's something that i occurred to me and supposedly bjorkren was involved in a lot of the zone stuff that the raptors were doing i mean playing two big guys together zone like maybe give that more of a shot uh keep those big guys near the basket and yeah, yeah. that could that could be something especially if you play more of like a three two yeah uh because i mean asking either of them to get all the way out to the corner might be a little tricky but if you can if you can fudge that part a little bit then then i think you might have a chance yeah and they've got some guys with some decent length that could play up top as well i, I think that you could even do a two three with turner in the middle and uh, sabonis being the corner guy because you know he doesn't he's not necessarily gonna have to close all the way out uh to the corner and get into a one-on-one situation you, he'll have turner backing him uh, up i was in that situation. i was i was gonna say put turner in the corner and sabonis in the middle since yeah. Tur- turner isn't gonna get the rebound anyway <laughs> So, well, he is going to block the shot. That's the biggest the thing with Indiana playing zone, right? Is that they'll get mashed on the glass. Yeah. Well, I think if they have Sabonis and turn together out there, they're okay. But yeah, if they take Sabonis out, then yeah, they will probably get completely destroyed in the glass. But maybe there's teams that aren't going to try that, right? Like uh, that's uh, I've been asked a lot about, like, well, if teams play zone more, like wh- how could things change? And I think potentially uh, that more bigs and more offensive rebounding, you know, the zone could potentially facilitate that. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, anything else you want to talk about with Bjorkren or should we move on to our next topic here? I think we've milked this topic for all it's worth. Yeah. I was doing a little work the other day, hanging some pictures, putting a screws into my drywall. And there's that little bit of residue that, that pops out when you're done. And I was like, man, that looks like just like what a normal protein bar tastes like. Thankfully, there's Built Bar now. They now have 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors, six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry bar, sia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, lots of fruit in there. And of course, there are the old favorites, raspberry, German chocolate, peanut butter, peanut butter brownie. 
double chocolate. These actually taste like something you're going to look forward to eating. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And yet, and yet, they are still really healthy. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for a keto diet. They're peanut butter, for example, 19 grams of protein, 108 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. And they'll even give you a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN, the name of this network, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKDOWN for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. If you like to work on your car, rockauto.com is the place to get parts for your car or truck. Just go to rockauto.com and enter in the name of your make and model and year, and you can see the crazy amount of parts that are available for your car. Their prices are always reliably low, and it's the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. There's no reason to spend up to twice as much for the same parts at the bricks and mortar auto parts store, which number one, has to pay for the rent on their shop. So their prices are going to be more expensive. And number two, probably isn't going to have the exact part that you need anyway in stock. So save yourself a trip or even two trips to that bricks and mortar store and go to rockauto.com instead. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com and make sure you write locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know that you came from us. Okay, let's talk about potential trade candidates. And obviously we started with Drew Holiday. So... The report was that 10 teams are are interested in him. Denver was one of them. You've talked a lot about Denver potentially, but uh, what do you think just in general terms the Pels could get and or should be looking for where it's like actually enough to pull the trigger uh, on holiday? I'm asking for two firsts. I think that's reasonable. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at least one of them, a pretty good one. Like it's tough. You're dealing with contending teams, right? So you, they're not going to be able to dangle a top five pick for you all probability um unless it's maybe golden state uh but you know two two first round picks have a reasonable chance of being in the 10 to 20 range and and one one of which conveys relatively immediately and I, I, th- I think that's a reasonable ask. I think that's one of the reasons that you might do something going into the draft is because you can make that trade on draft night and there's no Stepien rule. And so you can get to the second one more quickly and there's not all these weird protections and stuff. And it's honestly, it's one less thing to negotiate, too. Um which I mean, that was one of the issues with us with uh, with the Conley trade. It was just so much easier to do it at the draft. And so, uh, I but I, g- getting back to that, you know, you're taking a bad contract back because he makes 26, and to get to that number, they got to send money back, and they're not going to be sending money back that's that's of somebody who's actually worth 20 million, or, or they wouldn't need to trade for Drew Holiday in the first place, right? So, uh, you, you know, you're taking bad money back. So, in lieu of that, I think you got to get two firsts. Yeah, I think you mentioned the Conley trade, and I think that's one of the better analogs now uh, mike is a little older than drew now but uh, mike also made a little more money and but that for that reason you could kind of bank on having him for two years whereas with holiday you could probably only bank on having him for one because i think mike was looking like yeah he was going to be overpaid but he also was going to opt in and and so he was still a good player that you felt like you could have still uh for this 2021 season but yeah i think that's a, a decent analog i mean that ended up being what jay crowder who can play a little bit he actually helped memphis uh corver and miami yeah yeah Yeah, it was crowder corver gray 
Grayson Allen uh, and two first round picks uh, from Utah. And there's uh, the one pick turned into Brandon Clark, basically. Um, they had to give up a second to move up to, to take him. But and then the uh, the second one has some reverse protection on him, which gives Memphis a little more chance of uh, not ending up with like the 28th pick or whatever. Yeah. Well, the fact that it's the Utah Jazz pick also means pretty likely not to be the 20th, 28th pick. I mean, it's but. a pretty good time frame to actually have a pick from Utah. Yeah. If you look at where where they might be with Gobert and Ingles and some of these guys in a few years. Ah, yes. A a, uh, a name that may pop up later in our show. <laughs> but yeah, so, so I think yes. that's around there. Um, and so one thing that came up to me uh, was the Lakers. When Danny and I talked about their offseason, that Danny Green and JaVale and probably Avery Bradley, once they've opted in, um, which seems fairly inevitable, and then Kyle Kuzma. And the Lakers actually could trade two first-rounders as well. They could trade this year's, and they could trade 2027 if they wanted to. I think Holiday would be an awesome fit with the Lakers. Just you know, some pick-and-roll ability, but can shoot it pretty well well you know can handle the ball in the second unit has experience with anthony davis uh i mean i don't know if the lakers and pels want to deal with each other again but if the lakers threw that whole package do you think that would be competitive particularly this is the other aspect too is drew could do the same thing that anthony davis did and say hey i'm only going to re-sign in a certain destination so send me there yeah i mean he can do that it's it's probably not believable that the lakers would be that destination just because they wouldn't have the capability to do it so why why wouldn't they? I mean, if you have LeBron at 41 and Davis at 35, like how much before you've even paid anyone and you got, well, we'll see what happens with this 5 million for Luol Deng, but it's, it's tough for them to have to get to enough money, even, even with, with no other players under contract in 21. You're saying, you're so, saying to re-sign it. I'm saying, yeah, I'm saying the, the, it's contingent on the threat of Drew Holiday saying, I'm going to go to LA. So you need to trade me there. Right. Because oh, otherwise I, I don't think the Lakers have the best package, right? You're getting the 28th pick now and then a pick in 2027 yeah that that's that's a good point well and and kuzma in theory as well uh although i don't know how much interest there's going to be for him or around the league right now um yeah but yeah i guess that's true right because anthony davis could be like if, if you like if, yeah go ahead and trade me to boston but i'm still gonna leave for the lakers next summer right like drew holiday yeah th- yeah th- th- that's a great point that that's not as credible of a threat yeah yeah the the threat that's more credible that he can make is um what which he actually can't can't even make credibly as I think about it because he's not the first guy in line, right? Because he could say, trade me to the Lakers or I will sign with Miami. But New Orleans can come back will say, oh yeah, you'll sign with Miami if the other four free agents that are ahead of you on their list don't, yeah. right? So I, I he's not playing as strong a hand for that reason. Yeah. So, I mean, but I would have to imagine though that if Holiday simply said, hey, I don't really plan on re-signing here. I would like to be moved to more of a contender, that that would be be enough yeah. to accommodate him like keeping him around when he said he's going to leave and you could get something for him and you're not really ready to contend right now and he would be yeah. disgruntled all year i mean at that that's got to yeah. tip the balance right absolutely absolutely yeah so it, it really seems like it's kind of in his court a, a little bit um jj reddick obviously would also be a, a potential to get moved that seems more kind of likely to be a deadline type deadline trade i think yeah a C- couple things reddick has 
has going for him. Obviously, the familiarity with with Stan Van Gundy. Also, Philadelphia brought him in and New Orleans brought him in in part as a character guy slash mentor for all their younger guys. And I think he's still valued for that reason, uh, even like beyond his on-court contribution. And so I do think they'd want to keep him around as long as they could because of that. So if the return isn't substantially different than what they could get at the trade deadline, I think they'll wait. I think if somebody offered them a first right now, they'd probably be like, okay, we got to do this. But otherwise, what's the point? All right, I'll open it up to you here then. Who is at the top of your list of the players most likely to get traded? Uh, the the Okay, so the player I wrote down who is technically the most likely to get traded is Vincent Poirier of the Boston Celtics, who, <laughs> because of their luxury tax situation and the fact that he's like their fifth string center and making $2.6 million, I, I mean, they're definitely going to pay somebody to take him and Cantor if Cantor opts in. I mean, I mean, I, that to me seems almost certain to happen. Yeah, and that seemed to be, uh, and I actually think Parier might be able to play somewhere else. Um, I, I've been impressed by his athleticism when you actually see him out there. I thought he was decent in the World Cup. I last actually, year. I actually liked him in Europe, and I was surprised how much he struggled over here because he seemed to be like more, you know, athletic rim runner, shot blocker type. And usually the physicality there grinds those guys down, and then they find a little more freedom over here. I mean, that was kind of Daniel Tice's profile in Europe too. And for whatever reason, it did not work at all for him uh, this year. So um, I would be interested to see him get traded to a bad team, play 20 minutes a game with, you know, more of a rope and and just see what he looks like. Yeah, and his salary is not prohibitive unless you're as deep into the tax as the Celtics are. I, like, depending on who the team was, especially if I had a small trade exception, like I might be willing to just take him and just see, w- yeah. see what was there, throw him in the mix as a, yeah. one of my backup center options. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're like Charlotte and you have no bigs, like what's, what's the what's the harm yeah they've got cap space uh, as well i mean maybe maybe you could just get some uh cold hard cash for 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 taking him on as well um oh yeah yeah boston pays you his 2.6 million salary yeah yeah. Yeah. Although, again, I mean, I, we may need to differentiate as we talk here. Not that it's not worth talking about, but that could be one where they just wait until the deadline because you just you pay more of his salary and then it's easier to get off of him just from a pure cash standpoint because two thirds of his salary for the season is already paid. See, I, normally I would say that, but I think they're going to put those three first round picks into play and use it to move money ahead of time. Yeah, it, you might be right about that. And they also just have a roster crunch there as well. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. They can't even sign anybody without cutting people right now. So, um, all right, yeah, I, I agree with you though. Cantor and Paré seem pretty likely to be moved, and just the question is whether it, to bring back anybody who can play or whether it's just simply in a dump. And I guess the, the other thing too is that it's it's easier to dump guys during the off season when teams have cap space when you don't have the roster limit, etc. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking 
good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. Well, we got to talk about Chris Paul, obviously. I mean, it's clearly, yes. of all these players, we know for sure that they are open to him. That seems a thousand yes. percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, the one I like is uh, Chris Paul and two firsts to Houston for Russell Westbrook. Yeah, exactly. I just, I love it. <laughs> you, think, you think they could get that done? Oh, man. Uh, so the two the twos that really kind of make the most sense to me, the Bucks. all the reporting is that they're not interested i don't mm-hmm. understand why that would be other than money i yeah i mean if i to me the bucks should be very interested right i mean that's because that could end up being your key to keeping Giannis at the end of the day uh, like i uh, it's it's it would be expensive for them right i mean they would definitely be a tax team this year you know you're probably looking at bledsoe plus guaranteeing Ilyasova plus uh i'm putting it dj wilson and and rollo right and i think that gets you there yeah but, uh, but, but you're taking Taking on an extra 10 million or so exactly exactly so you're paying but like mm-hmm. if you want to win i don't know i mean that that to me is the guy um th- the other one we got to talk about now that doc's in philly i mean you got to look at that one right yeah but uh i struggle to see what the package is there the package to me is simmons and horford for paul schroeder and draft equity from okc to philadelphia i just don't see philly being ready to give up on ben simmons yeah that could be that could be and that's and that certainly is a defensible position for philly to have but i I think if there's something to be done there it's the the idea behind it is basically you're you're getting out of money in bad out of one of those bad deals in philly like we i mean if you're okc do you do tobias harris for chris paul does that structure have appeal to you Uh, or do you say that's a four-year bad contract versus a two-year bad contract and so we'll we'll just stick with cp then oh yeah like without getting any draft equity as well no way would i do that as, as yeah. okc yeah uh and i mean because yeah. now i i like to talk about this at trade season there's external leverage and there's internal leverage right uh, like the mm-hmm. so i think okc probably doesn't really want to hold on to paul that much uh because he's just expensive they'll probably save money just against the cap or, or against the tax by moving him or at least in that range between the cap and the tax where they'll just be paying less in cash overall yeah. but uh, to me there are going to be multiple suitors for Chris Paul at this point, right? So, uh, yeah. I mean, I think Tobias Harris—that's a bad contract. Like you're you're getting worse on the floor, you're getting worse financially, and you're not picking up an asset. I mean, I, to me, it would be a package built around Al Horford, maybe Mike Scott and Zaire Smith. I think that gets you there. And then, yeah. Although, then your other problem is Philly's tax concerns as well, right? Like they're going to want to save money for this year as well. Oh, they'll be crazy expensive yeah yeah so i mean maybe there's a way to do both harris and horford and but you know what is that going to be three first round picks for going yeah, back and then i mean if you're okc you have so many future firsts already like what is the marginal value of an additional first especially one that's probably going to be like in the 20s from philadelphia what what is the marginal value of that to you at this point 
have to think it's actually not very high. Yeah. So uh, if I if I can get more more in the way of either young immediate talent or at least more financial relief and and clean cleaner books, then I think that's more what I'm looking for. Um, there's there's always kind of the New York Knicks moron trade hanging out there, right? Seems where like they it. just where they just you know throw something on the table for them because it's something shiny. Um, I mean, if the Knicks offered like the 27th pick and I don't know Kevin Knox or something just to take him into their room, like do, would you do that if you're Oak City or do you think you can do better than that? Well, I, I mentioned the internal leverage. They don't have a ton of internal leverage. The internal leverage is well, if this offer isn't good enough, fuck it, we'll just keep it, right. Yeah. But there, it already seems like there's been reporting that there's just no way that Danilo Gallinari is going to be back there. That they yeah. And as we've talked about, everybody in the West is going to be so good next year. They really want to go in the opposite direction, especially with that 2021 draft looking like it's going to yeah. be pretty good. So by keeping Chris Paul around, as they should. Yeah. Like you're almost you fear that you might win too many games. Now maybe you would just all right. We're going to play you 26 minutes a game, and we'll just you know keep you keep your legs fresh and try and move you at the deadline, something along those lines, and just please don't uh, win too many clutch games for us, Chris Paul, like you did last year. <laughs> but that doesn't seem particularly palatable to me. I agree. That's I I I don't. That's a fun thing to discuss in theory that works badly in practice. Yeah, and I thought they're over their heads a little bit this year too. You know, I I still thought that bringing back Gallo might make a little bit of sense, and then they could try to move him again. But clearly, they're not going that way. And seeing how the good the West is going to be, I don't think I would be in favor of that anymore. Anyway, although, but it's not uh, the one thing is that it's not like they have so many awesome young players on this team who need to play either. Like, so they're no, they have they have a lot of non awesome young players that they probably would like to play and see if any of them can become halfway decent. But yeah, uh, yeah, I mean they're their quote-unquote youth is mostly exists in draft equity right now like if you're them you almost go into this year's draft and next year's draft looking to trade futures to get into this draft so you can get more help sooner yeah so i I don't know i mean like bucks make sense and you would think that just like is one crappy future first rounder enough to get you to move chris paul if you're okc uh maybe not just because the salary isn't hurting them right now it's the thing like i i don't see them being a big player in the offseason I, you know, the the only way the salary hurts them is that it removes their ability to take bad contracts from other teams and and uh, get paid in draft picks to do that. But again, they have so many draft picks that the marginal value of that is starting to decrease. So uh, I, I think they they do have a fair amount of external leverage in terms of holding out for something halfway decent. Um, okay, so here's one I heard uh, Zach Lowe talking about that I, I think is actually kind of interesting. Um, Phoenix, Ricky Rubio, Kelly Oubre... Uh, uh, some combination of like Elia Kobo, Czech Dalo, and Chai Jerome uh, for Chris Paul. Oof. Yeah, I mean, that probably makes the Suns a playoff team next year. Or, I mean, you, you never know because it's a new mix and how it's going to fit together. Yeah. But, and, it, you know, I'm not sure that Chris Paul and Devin Booker is like a great personality uh, fit. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be an interesting fit. Yeah. But, but <laughs> I, I mean, I guess if you're Phoenix and the cost is some crappy future first rounder, you know, that's heavily protected or something i mean maybe you would consider doing that i guess the the opportunity cost for phoenix is that's probably going to wipe out any chance you have using cap space this year um no use the cap space first 
Oh, and then and then make the trade. That would make them. And then you can do the trade. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That would also make them pretty expensive. Um. Yep. Yep. So so that would even if not necessarily at the tax. And then. But Robert Sarver's always been willing to spend on this team. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Just ask uh, Lou Aldang and Rajon Rondo, right? Um. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Kurt Thomas, for that matter. So, oh, Serge Ibaka. Goodness, yeah. That's another one I think they gave away in those luxury tax. I mean, they got unlucky that the teams that they gave those picks to drafted well but nonetheless drafted really good players but yeah they they yeah they were just selling off draft picks so they got what they deserved yeah and that would wipe out your chance of doing anything in 2021 free agency but i don't foresee phoenix being a premium destination although they, they are kind of a sleeping giant just in free agency because it's a nice place to be during the winter but they've been in the doldrums yeah. for so long uh but you know they're still able to sign like a few guys when they've really tried um yeah that's an interesting one i mean w- would you do that if you were the son i would think fairly hard about it um just because i mean i think chris paul buys you so much credibility um th- that I, I would at least have to think of, like R- ricky was actually pretty good and you know Ubre had a good year too so it's you're not you're not just giving up a bunch of garbage to get him and so you have to think about that a little bit but they managed to play well and i thought their wing rotation worked even without Ubre in in the bubble they'll have the 10th pick in the draft so they may draft another young three four type there anyway uh and they have the cap room to add another player at those positions and and will be able to sign somebody like they could theoretically sign Gallinari and then trade for Chris Paul um and so I I I do think I I do think it makes them pretty interesting in the short term obviously you worry about well what's the long-term picture you know Chris Paul's going to get old and you still have Booker and Aiden at the way up on the way up but I do think it buys you a lot of credibility um and even as you go deeper into Chris Paul's 30s I do think he's one of those guys who can still be a stable performer for you even into his late 30s on his next contract where he's not you know he can be kind of that veteran guy that you that you count on even though he's not your best player anymore so i i could i could talk myself into this if i'm phoenix yeah i I really could particularly if because i just i I just don't see them being enough of a destination in free agency to get anybody like this otherwise particularly if they could get a solid forward because they actually need Ubre this year as a forward off the bench if they could get someone you know jeremy grant they've been linked to god what if they got gallo i mean that would be yeah the, that would be that would be a they wouldn't one, stop right? anybody but uh yeah i mean that with paul but offensively i mean they would just be fire right yeah so yeah Aiton rolling to the rim paul paul gallo and booker and then cam johnson and mikhail bridges shooting the ball i mean yeah that would, yeah. That would be pretty nasty That's actually a nice I, team, I, right yeah you're, you're uh you're starting to convince me here a little bit i kind of i kind of like this one yeah. i had not really thought uh, of phoenix as a potential option there the other one of course and i promise we'll move on to some other people in a second here but the, the lakers obviously are going to get thrown out there as a possibility for chris paul as well and i mean i just don't see how they get to 41 am i missing something i mean they'd have to sign and trade some guys i guess they'd have to throw in some assets that i don't i'm not sure oklahoma city really even wants i mean i guess if oklahoma city really like kuzma it was okay paying him uh you could sort of talk me into it but they'll definitely try to get involved i'm sure but i 
to me they're really on the outside of this yeah i mean so let's see here uh, i think you could do it i think you could do it if you guaranteed quinn cook kuzma caruso javel mcgee and avery bradley opting in and danny green i think that gets you that gets you there i think are, are you even better after you give up all those guys to get chris Paul? that's an interesting question too well i think the thought would be that they could find some other ways to get some contributors um i mean none of those guys other than caruso i don't think uh, yeah caruso and green but green yeah he was a little dicey this year you know i think going into his age 34 season you might have some questions of you know he's playing 20 minutes a game for you it wasn't crazy i don't yeah like i think he's slipped some defensively I think, you know, you could, you would still have at least the uh, taxpayer mid-level at that point. You know, I think you could get a decent enough green replacement and Paul does feel a need for them to be sure. Uh, although, you know, yeah. I'd still like someone who could shoot it a little bit better. I think you'd probably would have to commit to playing more with Anthony Davis at center if you got Chris Paul. Uh, so you could run some more spread pick and roll because they would be pretty limited in terms of shooting. But uh, I mean, that's, and who knows what, again, what the compensation would be. Are there really going to be multiple suits? for paul it's tough because he he's a good player but just as we've talked about matching the salary it could prove difficult yeah um yeah should yeah. we uh you, you want to hit some of these questions here i'm sure we've got a lot of comments that have piled up uh, as we've prattled on here um uh let's see here i, I, I got one. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah yeah go ahead okay go ahead. uh somebody asking about brooklyn here uh and uh they and uh that Hillspist uh, says uh, he's asked about Joe Harris, and then he says they gave Torian Prince an extension. He's the worst player in the league. I'm not even kidding. Uh, I, d- I don't think he's the worst player in the league, but I did have him on my list of players who were likely to get traded uh, for this reason. Uh, with the tax situation in Brooklyn, if they really want to re-sign Joe Harris, who I think will get above the mid-level exception, that moving off that 12 million that you're paying Prince to be basically Kevin Durant's backup, like I, I just think he's so kind of unimportant for what they're going to be. This coming season that moving off of that money is financially almost a must for them even if even if they're willing to go into the tax the additional tax from that 12.2 like you you've got to put yourself in position to use that some other way yeah and prince is starting what at about 12 million a year or so a two-year extension that he signed which is always kind of an interesting extension to begin with the idea of prince if he could actually stop anybody would be a really nice fit but that hasn't really proved to be the case so far um i'll also, as an aside, I would love to just do a podcast episode that is entirely you and my other podcast partner, Danny LaRue, reading people's uh, unpronounceable handles for uh, <laughs> <laughs> on Twitch or YouTube or something. Um I was, I was, I, I am, I am woefully unprepared for this task. Uh, so thanks to, uh, Gruntesk, uh, highlighted a, a message, uh, using points. He suggests a three team trade, Andre Drummond okay. to Golden State, Andrew okay. Wiggins to Charlotte, Nick Batum okay. to Cleveland. And with Golden State and Charlotte, each sending second rounders or a late first to Cleveland. Okay. So, yeah. uh, Wiggins and Charlotte. Okay. I mean, if you're Charlotte, like you're not, you got a bunch of, room you're probably i mean you're gonna end up overpaying somebody like if you can turn batum into wiggins and only have to give up like a second or whatever that's probably okay for them yeah they have so much space i like it from charlotte's standpoint um less so for the other i don't love drummond and golden state yeah that that's the bottleneck that's where where it breaks down to me for a number of reasons yeah i i just think if you're gonna if you're gonna turn that 27 for wiggins into another player you need to turn it into somebody who really fits like a glove 
love with with Steph Clay Draymond, and I, I Drummond is not that guy. Here's your other problem too: is that you, number one, I think Wiggins just plays a rare position. I actually think Wiggins, in theory, helps more than Drummond. Yes, and you could say, well, yeah, but Wiggins is a bad contract going forward. Drummond expires in a year, but that doesn't do Golden State any good. They're not going to have cap space this, regardless. Yes, yeah, this this year is the thing that matters in Golden State, right? I mean the 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 graph on Steph Clay Draymond is going to start turning like this, right? Given their age. So this is the most important year for Golden State. Well, and not only that too, but Drummond just isn't that good, right? His fit with Draymond, I think is poor. I think he's lost a lot of athleticism as like, you know, a real, an alley-oop threat, pick and roll threat. You know, I think he's really slipped there compared to, you know, where he was when he was running pick and roll with Reggie Jackson in the Halcyon Pistons playoff season of 2016. (laughs) And he's kind of failed to improve defensively under some pretty good coaches he's got a little better but he's yeah. not like oh man we got Drummond we can throw him on Anthony Davis in the playoffs like no I don't necessarily see that either he can't really switch yeah. so I, I think ultimately Wiggins is better uh as a fit and then you're trading for Drummond and it's like well now we have to extend him and that sucked you know so at big money because they have no way to replace him and and they just traded for him so yeah, yeah I, I don't uh for the Warriors and specifically I think I like Wiggins better than Drummond um yeah. But that, that was an interesting one, yeah. though. I mean, if, if your evaluation of Drummond is, is different, then uh, let's stay with Golden State here. Elephant of your Man, that's mm-hmm. good. Uh, do you see Wiggins finishing the year with Golden State? It seems like they need more girth at forward. I have a hard time seeing Wiggins guarding fours. Uh, I don't know if he'll be guarding fours on the regular, but I to me, they're going to trade for somebody who fits that bill. I think Wiggins' contract is still viewed very negatively around the league, and and Golden State isn't going to give up assets just to get rid of Wiggins' contract unless it's the salary match for somebody like Bradley Beal or something. That's the only way I see Wiggins move. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right there. And also, they got Eric Pascal too. I think they're going to take a look at Draymond, Pascal, Wiggins, Clay, and Steph as a lineup uh, as well. Um, and, and Pascal has a little bit more heft. I think he, I'm very interested to see whether he can really contribute on a winning team this year or not. And obviously, there are going to be other moves there as well. You'd imagine they'll be trying to get a wing either with the mini mid level or that trade exception. So, yeah. Um, how do you like? Rudy how do you like Rudy Gay's fit there he was a guy I'd written down and obviously he fits right into that exception yeah all four of those Spurs guys we should probably talk about here um yeah Rudy Gay does fit in 13 million so it's not as bad as the 17 million the reporting has been he's he's, uh he's 16.2 oh oh, is he that high yeah he is that's right I'm sorry I forgot about that I was thinking of Patty Mills who also might be a, a potential there I think if that deal happens maybe it becomes more palatable to Golden State if Kevon Looney can go back in that deal and then you kind of yeah. turn Rudy Gay into a ten million dollar player. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, that's or, or same thing with with Patty Mills as well, where you can make the two. You could also even generate another small trade exception that they could use at a later time yeah. to kind of punt that in into the future. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, what do you think of all these Spurs guys? Aldridge, DeRozan, Gay, and Mills. All four of those guys don't really seem to fit what's going on with the Spurs going forward here. Yeah, I think there's no market at all 
all for Aldridge and DeRozan. And the Spurs aren't going to incentivize somebody to take them. It's not worth it. Um, I could see them trading them at the trade deadline for like a crap expiring contract and a second round pick. But I, I think that's probably where it's headed with those two guys. Uh, Mills is more interesting. I think he has more value to playoff teams. I also think he's maybe has a little more value to San Antonio just from a kind of culture perspective. Yeah. He's been there his whole career. Uh, so I think they'd probably be more reluctant to part with him. I think they could probably do well on something with him at the trade deadline um, where like right now people are looking at him and probably saying, well, 13, five, and you're not really a starter. Like that sounds a little pricey. You know, let's see what we can do in free agency and stuff first. But I think when you get down to the trade deadline, everyone's always looking for guards when you get to that point. I, I think that's a place where San Antonio could do pretty well with him. Probably not first round well, but like they get two good seconds for him. I bet. Yeah. Just where there's psychology of where they're at as an organization right now i mean pop is still there you know you imagine this is like his last year or maybe he's got one more after that or something and so i mean maybe they feel like they can make the playoffs a lot of a lot of guys look pretty good in the bubble and they did it without aldridge and uh, he is coming off of surgery which is not amazing uh he's had he's had a lot of surgery on his ball and socket joint his career but uh i I think he uh maybe the thought is that we put him in at center we can have a really good offense and uh we'll play we can play Derek White and DeJounte together now so that'll shore up our defense a little bit I mean I would actually I mean my thought would be let let me ask you this if you would just and then this is you not the Spurs right but Mm -hmm. I think they might actually be a better team next year if they just dumped DeRozan for nothing uh possibly I think uh you know I could make the same argument for Aldridge almost uh although he started shooting threes uh toward the middle of last year which I think was helpful Mm um certainly uh replacing Marco Bellinelli and Brid Forbes with with almost anybody is gonna is gonna kind of raise the level of the water there, right? Uh, I don't I don't quite know if they'd be better without DeRozan. Like he certainly, I mean, just from a perspective of having somebody halfway decent to play those minutes and take those shots and whatnot. Like like yes, you can do better, but you can also do significantly worse. And if you just have replacement level guys coming in behind him, you're you're going to be worse. So I I don't know if I quite would would go that far, but I think it's kind of a reach for this team to be in the playoffs either way. So I think they have to be looking toward what their future is. And the other thing is they have to move one contract no matter what. Right. If if they want to keep Jakob Pertl, if they want to do anything in, in free agency or whatever, they have to move somebody. So that's where it gets interesting to me. Uh, yeah, my thought, just to clarify on DeRozan, is just he single-handedly torpedoes your defense because he's got to basically play the three or even the four at this point. And it's just, it's too yeah. hard to build a really good defense uh, when he's out there at this point so i think they actually could be pretty decent defensively if they moved on from him but uh if he's playing all the time it's just you have that massive holder that was that was kind of the thought and that maybe he doesn't do that much for you offensively at this point in his career because when he doesn't have the ball he's kind of encroaching on everyone else's base uh but anyway uh let's see here Let, let's uh you want to just let's do like a lightning round let's do 30 seconds sure. each year on players who might get moved moved in while you go first uh name that i haven't really seen people talk about john collins i, th- I think that's one to keep mm. on on your list just because if you're atlanta you definitely need to be making calls and finding out how the rest of the league values him before you go too far down the road of an extension and uh so i i think that's an interesting conversation uh to to monitor sort of uh another name we haven't talked about blake griffin you know what if he looks halfway decent i mean that's a huge number he's making there's no way he's going to be equivalent value to what he's making.
thinking. But can Detroit do a deal where they take back bad contracts and get, you know, get a second or get off of next year's money or get something out of it? I think that's something to monitor. Yeah, that, that's, uh, you're thinking more at the trade deadline for that one, right? Most likely, yes, yes. And then uh, another one we haven't talked about, Daniel House. Uh, <laughs> I just don't know if that situation is uh, is uh, fixable in, in Houston. And I mean, he's got a, he's a good player and a good contract and Houston could definitely get something for him. And maybe there's a way out of their luxury tax hellscape if they could do like House and Eric Gordon and get, I don't know, two like sort of average players who make a little less money. There's something, you know? Uh, so I, I would definitely keep my eye on Daniel House. Yeah, on Gordon, I still think that him just being better, even if that's a more remote prospect than it once was, I mean, both in terms of his ability to switch and shoot and drive, I don't know that they're going to get someone who's as good as I think he's crucial to what they're trying to do uh, with this small yeah. unit. And so, yeah, I realize it's not a great contract, but uh, I mean, I think they just got to kind of hope that Gordon and Harden and Westbrook all hold on for another year. And all the noise out of there has been, no, we still have James Harden in his prime. Like we're going to try and compete. So uh, I agree with you. I mean, if they're not going to pay the tax, that kind of makes things difficult. But I mean, those are like their three best players in some ways. I mean, I guess yeah. you know, Tucker is up there too. That's another one they're just desperately hoping is going to hold on. But you know, those four guys are based in Covington. I mean, that's you know, a pretty decent starting unit uh, if everyone is healthy and playing as well as they can. I thought Gordon actually looked pretty decent at times in the bubble. Um, once he at, at very specific times, <laughs> I, I, I could show you one or two clips. Or... <laughs> um, okay, that was. Uh, I'm going to try and keep mine to 30 seconds here. Uh, Nick Batum, sure. he's come up in some ideas already, just as a way to take on some maybe even worse money for Charlotte, pick up some draft equity. Kevon Looney, Golden State tax concerns, maybe in a trade going back for that that trade exception. Here's one that might deserve a little bit more discussion. Kevin Love. Yeah, uh, you know, Cleveland so far has overplayed their hand with this one. And they don't they don't need to move off the money right now. I mean, even even in their current situation, they're they have enough wiggle room from the tax right now uh, that they could probably sign anyone who'd be willing to go there. And then you go out in, into the out years once Exum and Drummond come off their books after this year, even if Drummond extends, he's not extending for 28 right yeah. he's going to make half as much at best so i just don't think they're in a tight enough box on love to incentivize somebody to take him and so they're probably going to end up keeping him unless he's just becomes such a pain to have around that they that they're like all right fine like take him here take our draft picks just get him out of here how about uh kevin love for al horf Ooh, spicy i like that i actually like that um Love, I mean, obviously he provides a spacing element much, much better than Horford does. Uh, he can still play five when Embiid is out of the game. I mean, he's not a rim protector, but um, his fit offensively with Embiid is probably better. And then if he gets cooked on the perimeter, you at least have Embiid to protect the rim behind him and yeah. Simmons yeah, and these yes, other guys. If, if he gets cooked on the perimeter. And, and the, the odd chance <laughs> that that could happen, right? Just hypothetically. Yeah. Uh, so that that is a really interesting trade. Uh, Philly's got to give up value there, right? Uh, I'm not sure because the um, there's more guaranteed money on Love's side, if I'm not mistaken. That fourth year on uh, Horford is $14.5 million. You know, you're looking at, right? You're looking at $69 million in guaranteed coming from Philly, and Love's contract still has $94 million. So I, I don't think there'd have to be, I don't think dra- Philly has to put draft equity into that. No. I think 
think it's a it's a great way for Cleveland to save face and not have to pay somebody to take the contract that they mistakenly signed thinking that it would be a positive asset. And honestly, I mean, I know they just traded for Andre Drummond for no reason, but like if they're trying to get better, like Horford actually might help them more than Kevin Love. Uh, just, you know, kind of be a passing hub for them. They have no passing on this team whatsoever. Um, I mean, you know, Love in theory could be that no, too. No, I mean, their, their best passer right now is probably Andre Drummond, right? <laughs> yeah, or, or, or Love. Love's an okay passer too, uh, although maybe a yeah. little overrated in my opinion. I, I still think Philly would have to throw in a little bit of something there, but not nothing crazy. And maybe I think the other part of that deal would be, all right, we'll take Mike Scott and Zaire Smith as well. You know, maybe that's where some more value comes in to reduce the Yeah, that's that's concerns. tough because it, it that definitely constrains Cleveland a little with what they what else they can do in the offseason when when you start taking in other contracts in addition to but you, Philly tax wise as I look at it they would probably have to at least match the money by putting by putting Scott into it because Philly's not going to do that deal and take on more money this year I don't think so you're probably right about the Mike Scott part all right we, we are long overdue for some more comments here uh I mean this could right. be like a five-hour podcast I'm now really I've got like 10 other people on my list I haven't even talked about yet but let's uh let's talk here uh government never lies would a trade around the Wiggins and Blake Griffin contracts make sense at all I don't think so Griffin to me is again a horrible fit in Golden State there's the injury risk as well his fit with Draymond both personality and on the floor just doesn't really work to me so I, unless you want to add something I think we can go no, for I, I think we're good here uh you on pick one John uh let's see uh <laughs> people asking about James Harden trades and uh let they do ask Kemba and Brown for Harden do you do that if you're Boston I think we're going to end up in a position here probably midway through the season where we start talking a lot more about James Harden trades. oh man I, I think if if Houston ends up being you know in seventh place or whatever I th- it's going to bubble up they're not talking about it right now they're doing all the brave talk about we're going to you know we're going to go for the championship or whatever Ever. And I think the backdrop to that is that is that Houston is going to be over the luxury tax line at some point during this season, right? And then they'll dig their way out in February. The way they dug out their way out last year was actually, you know, kind of undercover. The the shift from Clint Capella to small ball also put them under the tax. I think the way they could end up getting out this year is by trading James Arden, right? I mean, that's the way that gets you out for forever, basically. Um if you if you're if you're Boston, do you do that kind of deal for James Harden? How do you, how do you like Harden and Tatum together? That's nah. that's a pretty good partnership to me. I mean, with the yeah. way Tatum shoots off the catch. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, it's tough to it's tough to give up on Jalen Brown as young as he is. I mean, and you're thinking of Jalen yeah. Brown and Tatum can be a partnership that's going to have us as a top four seed in the Eastern Conference for the next seven or eight years. To move that for Harden, Harden has a lot of weaknesses too, man. I I don't know. I I won what if you know so much in houston is built around him and he does not have a lot of versatility yeah. to his game on either end and so you really wonder whether he would thrive as much somewhere else and he's also 31 i i, I don't know i i can't i can't get to harden yet i still i i've been thinking so much about this offseason um so uh go cats and you thanks for being a two-month subscriber uh uh i'm probably also with some uh interesting emojis some of them work better for the the live game broadcast <laughs> but uh or sorry not emojis emo get, get with it uh what do you think about the long-term effects of the new higher rookie scale contracts for the value of draft pick i think people are teams are still going to value them i think what happened toward the end of the last cba is teams valued draft picks especially late draft picks in the first round more because the contract on them was so cheap that if 
you hit on a player, it gave you a huge advantage. And now I think it's still advantageous. And those picks still, uh, on average, will give you surplus value. But it's not as extreme. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I think it's more, there was a time, you know, probably in the the first 10 years after of like the modern CBA from a financial standpoint with the rookie scale and the max contract that started with the 99 lockout where teams, you know, we just talked about Robert Sarver, for instance, not valuing picks enough, just selling them straight up for $3 million a pick in the 20s. And, you know, a, yeah. a lot of those went really poorly. And so then I think there was almost an overcorrection from that driven in part by what you're talking about about which is that the rookie salaries did not rise in concert with the salary cap and so they were lower relatively and now it's basically just locked into whatever the rise in the cap is so i, I think we've reached a good equilibrium here i mean we've seen because you you yeah. want teams to be able to trade picks and feel like they can trade picks to go for it right and a lot of teams did that if you just just look at the picks 20 through 30 this year like more than half of them are owned by different teams so i i think i like where it is right now yeah i think we're i think we're at a good point i agree with that uh related question jcroft 14 s at what point if ever should memphis look to start trading the utah and golden state picks in search of a third piece to put alongside john jaron I would say not quite yet. I mean, I think you still want to go through this next season and and continue evaluating what level they can get to. Like re- really, until one of them makes an All Star game, like you're 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 not really thinking about kind of all right. Let's optimize what we have here to to make our run for the title with these two. Like you're just not at that point yet. Uh, I do think though, I I did have Gorgie Dang on my list of possible trade players uh, because he has that large expiring at 17 million. Uh, that if there was another youngish player especially one who played kind of the two three four uh and could shoot uh that that was available that that memphis should definitely be kicking the tires on that i I mean they did something like that already with justice winslow i mean i don't think he's like quote unquote the third guy as as much as another small piece of the puzzle potentially but uh between gorgie and uh marco guterich at two and a half like they can get to a pretty good salary match if there was somebody out there they really wanted uh b griffin 23 thanks for subscribing uh, b griffin what do you guys think the clips could get in a sign and trade with Montrez Harrell. Uh, they might have some apron issues that would prevent them from doing that. Well, well uh, oh, you're saying to, to get him. Well, well so Harold is going. Although the outbound sign right. trade is actually kosher, right? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, I, I made that same mistake talking just, to someone yesterday, actually. Then I, I just don't know who's so jonesing for Montrez Harold that they're going to put equity into a sign and trade and send the Clippers somebody they'd actually want. Like, I think Harold is much more likely to be like a, a cap room signing by like, I don't know, Charlotte or somebody for me than to, than to end up as a, as a sign and trade where they there's like real stuff going back to the Clippers. Yeah, you think the teams that'd be interested in him would just sign him with cap space or an exception. I don't see it because the the reason you do a sign in trade is you're over the cap. You wouldn't be able to sign the guy otherwise, or it's a restricted free agent like Malcolm Brogdon, and you're just trying to bribe the team to not match your offer. So I don't see Harrell, a team seeing Harrell as like, okay, we're over the cap. We really want to sign Harrell. He's so important to us that we're going to send the Clippers an asset to do it. If they did, it would be some, you know a second round pick. It'd be something very low level. Yeah, I would imagine. And then and then the Clippers, you have to ask if it's even worth it to them to take back the contract they'd have to take back. 
So there's a, there's a lot of obstacles to something like that happening, let's say. So I think we'll actually save that 2021 playoff picture thing for another time. Let's just finish up the chat here since we got about seven minutes left to, or okay. so now. You want to pick one? Yeah, sure. Um, so Grunt asks, asks, Aaron Gordon and Aminu to Orlando for Buddy Heald. If not, how to get Orlando some offense. I actually had a different Aminu trade written down, which was Aminu to Dallas for DeLon Wright. Uh, there's a connection there. Uh, Jeff Weltman, Orlando's general manager, drafted DeLon Wright in Toronto. Uh, Dallas has a surfeit of point guards. DeLon Wright's game didn't quite fit there playing playing with Luka. Uh, Orlando does need another guard. I think they have a surfeit of three and threes and fours, right? Uh, especially with Chumo Okiki uh, coming back into, into the lineup and hopefully being a rotation player for them this year. And they both make about the same amount of money. Uh, so that, that, that to me is an interesting trade that I would like to see Orlando probably have to put in like a second or something, uh, to make that happen given the year Aminu had. Uh, but getting back to this, uh, trade for Buddy, that's an interesting one too. I don't know if Orlando's in a position where they're going to sign up for committing to Buddy Hill, the 24 a pop for the next four years. Like I, I think they need to answer kind of who the main building blocks are before they start spending 20 plus on kind of the surrounding pieces. But what do you think? Um, well, your your first idea there of Aminu for Wright, I'm not as big of a fan of that one because I think Wright has more value to me. Aminu's value is basically nothing right now. Like, we just don't know whether he's healthy or not. His shooting has always been a question mark. They basically have the same contract, both signed for the MLE, although Aminu has a player option for the next year, which makes him slightly less desirable. But if I'm Dallas, I'm much more confident in my ability to move uh, DeLon Wright just to get off of that money to uh, open up my max slot in the summer of 2021 than I am uh Aminu who could just be done you know at this point I mean just missed an entire year so I'm worried I, I think I don't know Aminu yeah in theory could help them more this year but and maybe if there I had some intel indicating that yeah he's absolutely ready to go he's 100 percent he's great I might consider that but until unless I knew that I I would be very wary of such trade if I were them because of their 2021 cap space aspiration yeah and th- that in general is a thing I think that's going to hold Dallas back from some kind of win nowish moves that they otherwise yeah. might be inclined and, and, to make. And that's fine. Luka Doncic is his age 21 season. Yeah. Uh, ah, this is a good one. I like this one. Big Bo Perp. Who is Anthony Edwards active NBA huh? I mean, when I, I when I watched him at Georgia, unfortunately, I mean, the guy he reminded me of a lot was Wiggins. Um, he's smaller, more powerful. Uh, there's definitely some Oladipo there in him. Uh, but just in terms of kind of the motor shutting off and kind of leaving leaving you underwhelmed given the tools, uh, I, I think there's a lot of similarities there, and I think that's a thing that worries scouts and worries teams about him. Uh, th- there's also the Oladipo comparison, though, because he is you know big big time athlete can get can get to pull up jumpers pretty easily. Whether he makes them or not, I think is still an open question. Uh, has the tools to be a really good on ball defender, and has has that same kind of size profile so at kind of a cross between those two i would say yeah that's uh i think that's pretty good i mean uh, Dion waiters is another one that's been thrown out there mm-hmm. as well so um 
Let's see here. Uh, someone said uh, Oladipo, uh, Magic Era Oladipo. Yeah, I think he's a little more powerful than that. He profiled like Oladipo is always going to kind of be more of a pick and roll kind of guy. Uh, whereas Edwards, I think he can do some pick and roll, but I think he's going to be more kind of using the powerful body ISO uh, more so than, than Oladipo necessarily. But I don't know that there's a perfect comparison for him, which is part of what maybe leads to some appeal in some ways, but also a, a lot of the comparisons are i mean you know you would say physically someone like Dwayne wade for example would be someone that you would look at just in terms of like six four long arms powerful athletic but you know i don't mm-hmm. he is nowhere near the field to me uh, of, of that um let's finish up with this one here um hope in the hawks young guys uh matt mcbuckets 32 ass hunter herder and reddish uh, i'll leave this one to you in the two minutes we have remaining so i would probably go herder than Reddish than Hunter. Uh, I think Herter is definitely something, right? He's definitely an NBA player, an NBA rotation player. I just don't know if he's a starter. Uh, we'll see what he can be when his, you know, as his body fills out. Can he add more playmaking? Can he shoot a little more consistently? Uh, I think those are the types of questions you, you ask, but I do think he's a long-term piece of some kind there. Reddish was intriguing enough in kind of the month before the league shut down to at least tantalize you that he could be something more in a year or two can he be a defensive stopper can he make enough shots from the perimeter that you have to guard him uh you know he has size uh should theoretically be a pretty switchable defender has some like tools and anticipation on that end uh kind of a disaster on the ball but can he get can he get good enough uh to cut the mistake rate and and become a more viable role player i I think that's certainly in the range of possibility hunter i you know he's he was an older rookie didn't really pop in in any category for them uh you know can he be an okay backup three four if he shoots it a little better yeah probably but i don't really see a role for him on the ball i don't think he's a big time defender i just i just don't see what his plus asset is uh at this point other than the spectacular education he got at the university of virginia yeah what i would say from a team building perspective is i'm not going to count on any of those three guys to really be hey i think you know i'm not foreclosing on that but if i have a chance to draft another wing that i think is going to be good i would absolutely draft over the top of those guys without thinking about it and put them all in the mix and see who emerges you know that's kind of 100 percent. i i wouldn't go in thinking any of them is is cemented as a long-term starter yeah all right well this is a lot of fun thanks again for joining us we'll be back of course next week thanks for all of you who subscribed thanks all of you who gave those great questions and thanks for all the nice comments as well we will talk to y'all next week till then reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest but let me play devil's advocate here let's see so no that's a good thing uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem uh, reese's you did it you stumped this charming devil at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.